Hello and welcome to the new episode of the 13th Man Sports Live Show. It's Shane alongside Frankie as always. And, you know, great news in Ontario today. 18 plus were able to book the vaccines for me. I, I have mine next Monday. I think, Frankie, you already got your first shot, right? I get my second dose Thursday afternoon. So. Oh, wow. Oh, yep. yeah, because you're in the medical field now, aren't you? I am. That would explain it. Well, hey, congrats. I get my I get my first dose on Monday. My second dose is early September, so I'm excited. Uh, my roommate got his the other day. My girlfriend's scheduled for June. Both my parents have got their first shots. My like, So, they, they, hey, this is coming along great. But, you know, we're going to start this episode off with some big news out of, the, out of Quebec. They're announced that there's going to be easing of restrictions coming at the end of May. The Canadians are going to allow... Two and a half thousand, like two point five thousand fans in for Game Six. If there is a Game Six versus Toronto in the first round, there will not play. be a Game Six. <laughs> um, but the interesting thing isn't even from that. Like as much as I love the had, like I love hockey and whatnot, the big thing is that the Alouettes came out with a statement, basically saying that you know this bodes well for home games, but not starting in August starting in uh, September, which in my opinion means that they are going to be playing the Ontario, like the, the East teams will be playing a front loaded Western schedule to begin the season. I mean, that's something we kind of expected to see as well. Right. That was like, that was, uh, we always kind of understood that the Western Canadian governments would probably be a little bit more lax, particularly in Alberta. Uh, and would let, uh, you know, the CFL kind of get things going there. We all kind of saw that coming. I'm not surprised. I I think the main question, though, that I'm going to have as we start to see that kind of become a reality is do those Eastern teams play any home games out West, or do they all stay as away games? I don't know. So if you haven't seen it, uh, it's on the CFL and TSN's uh Twitter page. I'm assuming it'll be on the Montreal Alouettes Twitter page and whatnot. But it says uh, today's announcement is a step in the right direction, considering that the team's first home games in Montreal, like it has in Montreal in brackets, would most likely take place in September. Which means is there there's a schedule out there where they play one or two home games at in their road stadium as the home team, possibly. Yeah, we just don't know yet. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, we've seen it in baseball. Yeah, but I, I think that was also an extreme circumstance where, if you remember back to that, you're talking about you're referring to the Blue Jays playing home games in Washington last year. I mean, it was uh, just more than the Blue Jays. It's happened before. Not super. I mean, like not to the extent that we saw that. No, but I mean that that was unforced. Like that, that's extreme circumstances. But like. If there's a rain delay, you're playing a team like, you know, if it's game three of a three game set and that game gets rained out and you play, you know, in two weeks, you'll have a double header where the first game is that extra game. And that's, yeah, but that, the- that's, I mean, I don't think those things are really comparable. I mean, if you're, if you're thinking about pandemic altering things, you're, you're really, you're looking at the example of the Blue Jays playing in Washington last year for the two home games where I believe Nate Pearson and Tanner Roark got absolutely lit up, if I remember that series correctly. I think so. Um, Regardless, regardless, 
that was because they didn't have a home stadium to play in. Because at that time, if you remember, they were looking at Pittsburgh, and then they were looking at Baltimore. Uh, and then they were talking about potentially Dunedin. None of those things worked, and they couldn't get Buffalo ready to go on time. So they had to play their home games in Washington. So, I mean, if, if an Eastern team has to play a home game out West, I think it's okay. But at the same time, I think we also can build the schedule around those being the Eastern teams away games and then let the Western teams play their home games at the beginning. If we can get, you know, Eastern teams, like, I guess you, you kind of have to have the Western teams play enough home games towards the end of the season when you could have more of a capacity, but I don't True, know. True, but I, I mean, to be fair, you're starting what, August 5th. So that's, there's what, four weeks? There's basically four full weeks of August, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I don't think I don't think like September starts in the middle of a week. I might be wrong, um, but to be fair, you know you also have. I mean, I don't know how their buys are going to work. That, that's another question. You know, assuming yeah. that it's a fourteen week, it's a fourteen game schedule. I'm assuming it's a sixteen week schedule. If they're playing fourteen games, so technically, you know, Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto, and Hamilton would each get some sort of buy within the first four weeks of the season. So you could have all this. Do we want to, do, do we want to get into the, uh, the Ontario section of this as well? Because that's kind of important because three of our four Easter teams are in Ontario after all. Oh, so September does start in the middle. It literally starts on a Wednesday, but there is still four weeks of actual like August. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, let, let's jump into the Ontario so, side. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've, uh, I don't want to get too political, Shane, because I could go on all day about what the, on, the government of Ontario has done to sports in this, in this province, uh, because they killed the OHL. They killed the OHL this year. Uh, they had made demands of the OHL that were pretty unreasonable, to be honest with you. They knew the OHL wouldn't be able to get to them. Somewhere along the line, they came to an agreement, but they didn't announce anything. Uh, and then they waited for COVID to get worse, and then they canceled it, and then the OHL couldn't get back on the ice. So we all saw how that would go. When they made those demands, I was pretty sure and confident that they were going to eventually bend and, I guess, let the OHL get back on the ice. That didn't happen. My confidence level, when Lisa McLeod says something along the lines of, we're not going to have any sporting events this summer, with with crowds, I'm not convinced that she's going to go back on that. I think that we might have a CFO football season without a single game played in Ontario. Yeah, I think that'd be suicide for them. Like, like straight up, if what other choice do you have? You can do it. You're going to tell me. So, so you're saying like, okay, so all medical professionals, for example, like again, I'm no, I'm no, I'm no doctor. I have no PhD. Like. So this is just me as someone who's done the research that is available to him and what has been said, you know, they're expecting, like if Trudeau has, he's doubled up on everyone who wants to be fully vaccinated will be fully vaccinated by September. Yep. So I'm okay if, let, let Ontario, like let the Ontario teams play OS to start the year. I don't care. But if you're going to tell me that the NHL like, if you don't allow the CFL to have fans in an outdoor stadium, like, you're going to tell me that, you know, 3,000 to 8,000 fans at TD Place is going to be a problem? 
you can't allow fans in the stands in the NHL. You can't do it. Yeah, or you're going to screw yourself. If, if hmm? the if the Ontario government is going to allow the NHL to have fans in the stands, which I would be very surprised they but they did it. Not yet, but heading into next season, if if people are fully vaccinated heading into next season, there is no reason to not allow fans in the stands. No. Yeah, but next season is pretty they're going to need in, in terms of getting the CFL back. It's pretty irrelevant considering no, we need to have will want plans like want confirmation. Like they're not going to wait till September to get confirmation that there'll be allowed fans in the stands. Even in even no, but minimal- I mean, part of this as well. You're 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 sitting here relying on Lisa McLeod and Doug Ford to change their mind. They've proven to you time and time again they are not doing that. I mean, and they that's have. that's where They've my backpedaled. they have. But I mean, she. She came out and she said the OHL is not going to play this year, essentially. She said that time and time again, she gave them exactly what it would take to get them back on the ice, and it was a ridiculous ask of the league. They knew that they couldn't do it. They didn't come back on anything. They made it very clear they wanted them in bubbles. The league really couldn't afford to do that. So, no, I mean, that, that's for sure. I don't think most leagues could put kids in bubbles like that. So I don't think I don't think she's gonna bet on that. I, I think that she genuinely expects to go the whole, whole summer without a single crowd, no matter the capacity of the sport. Okay, but so if and here's the thing though, is that okay, so you're gonna go all summer, that's fine. But when does summer end? When when is your your cutoff? October first? You're asking for logic. So like which so far there has been none. But that's what I'm saying. Look what like, golf course. If, if you're if you're the least right crowd, if you are the Ford government. You, you already have people who want you out of office. Majority of Ontario mm-hmm. do not does not want you back for a second term. They don't want Lisa McLeod. They don't want Doug Ford. They want nothing to do with this Ontario government after, like, after the next election. You, so basically, if you don't allow the CFL, and I know people say the CFL is a small fan base. It's huge in Ontario, relatively. I mean, golf courses are still closed. That, that's going to be my comeback here. They that, obviously that haven't that's... looked at – I mean, how many – sorry, my eyes are incredibly itchy. It's, I'm suffering from allergies incredibly badly right now. Uh, so if I continue to touch my eyes, that is why. Um, <laughs> but all of the, the science that I have heard and I have seen suggests that golf courses should be open. I have no right issue now. with golf They're not. courses being open. I think a lot of things should be open. You don't personally. I mean, I there there's nothing wrong. And here's the thing: we see it in Toronto. We you go down to Dow's Lake today. There a hundred people walking on Dow's Lake. You're getting to the point where mm-hmm. people don't care. Yep. And I think the the four government yep. needs to understand that, like, unless you're gonna put, uh, like, make it against the like, unless you're gonna basically, what claim martial law and basically say, oh, if you're out of your house that is deemed non-essential, you're going to be fined. You're going to be sent. Like you're going to get prison term. He's not going to do that. So there's no. no way to tell someone, Oh, you can't go out of your house when it's like, you know, really nice out like a plus 30 day or whatever. So I think, cool. You basically shot yourself in the foot by saying there will be no large gatherings in the summer because now you're entering fall territory in September, you know? Okay. Here, here's an example. Back to school. Are you going to send, are you going to open up schools 
which had like proven was hotspots. Schools mm-hmm. were hotspots. Shane, you're asking for logic here. I mean, I know most. You know, and I know that nothing they have done so far has been logical. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm done with it. I'm done with with Ford. I'm done with this government. Uh, I know we shouldn't get too political on here because, you know, everyone has their opinion. Um, but it, it's frustrating when you're sitting here. See, there was like nine thousand people. There's twelve thousand people at the Carolina game last night. Like, yeah, we joke. Two MLB teams in the United States today announced, the Boston Red Sox and the Pittsburgh Pirates announced that they would be having full capacity crowds within yeah. a month. Like, I know I know, we joked and, and kind of poked at the, the states for how they handled COVID originally, but they're far, far ahead of us vaccine-wise. And blame who you want. I don't mm-hmm. care. Every, you can blame everyone. But it's still ridiculous that we're here in a third wave and – we're being told, oh, yeah, you know, we want as normal summer as possible, but no sporting events, no large gatherings. How is that anywhere near a normal summer? Yeah. No, I agree 100%. And, I mean, I already hate Lisa McCaw to begin with. I'll say that so many times. I don't like her. I don't understand um, how she's – I'm supposed to stay kind of neutral, I guess, but I don't like I her. I don't understand how she's in in the position she is. There's sometimes, like, you, you yeah. question how a politician enters – like I honestly don't think she gives a shit about youth youth sports. I, I don't really think she gives a shit about sports. And she could stop sports if she can cancel out sports completely. She one hundred percent would, but she can't. So, yeah, I mean, like we're we, I don't know how many people are going to click on our show expecting something not sports, right? That this like we're sports. There's going to be people that are like, oh, sports don't matter. Well, you know what they do. Sports, sports matter. matter. Sports, sports matter, matter for the people matter. playing them. Like yeah, for the people uh, playing them, it's their livelihood. For the people working in them, it's their livelihood. For the fans who go to a game to escape the stress of work, it's their mental health. Like it matters. It's not even that. Just like if you're a kid, you're gonna tell your kid, "Oh, sports don't matter." It's the same as telling your kid that arts don't matter. They all have benefits. They're not meant yep. for everyone. Not everyone is gonna enjoy sports or, or enjoy the arts, or you know enjoy anything the same as other people but it doesn't make it any less important than than one another arts have its benefits sports have their benefits you know it i i don't know i i'm pissed with this because it's like i'm looking i i've i've heard people even saying like within the football community there's been there's been rumblings about how is this going to affect the future you know our kids who aren't vaccinated, are they going to be even allowed to play? And I think yep. this is why people are starting to get frustrated is that like, you know, you already can't, if you're a kid between the ages of like kindergarten or the grades between kindergarten and grade seven, there's like seven vaccines that you need to have, or you're not allowed to attend school. COVID is most likely going to be one of them. Yeah. Um, so before I mean, we move. It changes so much and it's just frustrating. Before we move to our next topic, I put out uh, our fan baits questions. Again, if you remember those from last summer, I've revived them. Oh, man. Um, so the one that we had out for this topic, uh, as, uh, after the Government of Ontario's announcement, how are you feeling about the CFL season for 2021? Option one, it will happen as normal. B, happen but not no games in Ontario. Or C, no season to come. 
vast majority of the people feel that there will be no football games in Ontario. I agree. So, I think to start at least. Well, I think to start that that's kind of a given. And I mean, the question, I mean, I should have phrased it a little bit better with the, the first option happen as normal. I mean, we're all anticipated that the, the season will start out West. So that was kind of my all encompassing as normal, I guess, which I should have worded it better. Yeah, I mean, I, I, anyway. I agree. I think you're not going to see games in Ontario for a little bit. I just, I don't know if you're expecting fans in the stands, like really, like if you're the CFL and you're expecting fans in Hamilton, in Montreal, in Toronto and in Ottawa, can you really afford to play home games out West? Who knows? I mean, like like that's up to the to the league and the schedulers. I don't have, I don't, I don't really have much of an input on that. I just, I don't think you can do it. I don't think because you're like obviously you're gonna have fans out there who buy tickets no matter what, but you're kind of also jipping the fans in Ontario that would go to those games, right? Like you're you're taking away revenue from that team unless because like here's the thing: if you if Ottawa were to play Calgary in Calgary as the home team, does does Ose get the, the revenue from that game? Do they get the gate revenue? Do they get the co- concessions revenue? So unless that's the case where these branded home games, those teams get the revenue, there's no point, if I'm the, if I'm the Red Blacks or if I'm Hamilton, to play a home game out West because I don't get – I don't see any of the money. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they'd go about that, but – um. Where do we want to go next? I mean, we have the Jays to talk about. We have the we have hockey to talk about. And we have Kyle the Raptors Lover. shitting the yep. bed. Yes. Uh, seems like well, we can jump into more Canadian sports. Um, the Raptors don't like playing in Florida. The Blue Jays don't seem to like playing in Florida. They need. Um. To come back, yeah, they they need to play in Toronto. Look, I don't I don't understand why the Blue Jays aren't playing at home right now. You know what I mean? The teams are vaccinated. Get them get them in this country. You know what I mean? I mean if we have a hotel. Cloud. If you if you really want them to stay quarantined in that hotel, fine. Yeah, I mean there but is like, a hotel attached, so like there really isn't a reason for them not to be allowed into the country if they're vaccinated. That's, that's what I mean. I don't I don't know what we're doing here. Like it's. It's kind of ridiculous. Hey, right, there's Lisa, Lisa McLeod for you. Yeah. So, but well, you know what, Shane? You know what? I got the Kyle Lowry jersey on. Okay, first time broke out the uh, the Kyle Lowry jersey. I love that jersey. I I, I do too. love it. I do too. I might have to. I'm gonna grab one in this like later in this like earlier in the summer, like in June or something. See if it goes on sale. Yeah. Well, it might go on sale here. Let's talk about. Um, if Kyle Lowry will still be on the Toronto Raptors next season. Yes. You think so? I don't see why you trade him. Unless he asks for a trade. Well, he's not, he's not. his contract expires. Oh, yeah, it is this year. I thought it was next year. No, uh, this year. I don't know. If he if he wants to come back, I think you should bring him back. Yeah, I, we've we've also heard that uh, Philadelphia has interest because, of he's course, they do. Philly. They're, they're going to, of course, look at – I mean, he's still a fantastic player, right? He proved that think, this year. I guy was don't think up. you can pay him, like – you can't pay him starter money. I think that, that that's what it is. Like I think if Lowry's back in I mean, Toronto, 
he's getting starter money because he's he's still. But if you're Toronto, you can't afford to pay him starter money. You know, I don't see why not. Because you're get, if you're gonna pay him starter money, he's gonna start and do. Yes, like, he's gonna start either way. But if you feel like Fran, like Van Vliet can replace him, so I I just I feel like if if he's back next year, it's not in a starter's role. The the Freddie and Kyle backcourt has been working, and I I wouldn't necessarily want to change that. Kyle Lowry is never coming back as a backup. That that would just be insulting to him, to be honest with you. Um, I think though the absolute worst case scenario for the Raptors is all unlikely a sign and trade for, with Kyle Lowry. I think, I think he's going to either end up in Toronto or he's going to be traded to Philadelphia after he signs a contract with the Raptors, and they'll probably get. Uh, I believe it was Marty Steibel that they were looking at originally. Uh, they'll end up with with something coming back the other way if they do end up losing him. Uh, and I mean, I would credit Kyle Lowry a lot if he decided to do that simply because, I mean, they did kind of fuck him over with the whole DeMar DeRozan thing. Uh, he really didn't like that. So that yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. I know it did. And that, that's the only reason that I think he might consider this as well. Usually the players don't like to have a ton of loyalty when they know that the teams will just turn around and get rid of somebody that quickly. Yeah. I mean, I think Lowry, like, again, it's one of those situations where, He's not. If he's back in Toronto, I'm not expecting him to start all 82 games. Well, no, but I mean, it, nobody really does anymore, especially with rest days. Yeah, and I'm not talking about rest just days. Being... I mean, literally days where he'll be coming off the bench. I don't think so. I don't. Know, I feel like you've already moved. Like you've started to move, uh, like move towards the like Van Vliet, Siakam. Yeah, but the two have started Anobi. together all the time. Oh, I know. I, but it's just I feel like with Lowry, like his injury history, it just I have a feeling that they're they're starting to move away from him. And if he is back, uh, I mean, back, yeah, of course they are because he 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 is getting up there in age. But I I still ask the question: if if you're starting lineup this this year, like let's say that you still make the trade for Gary Trent Jr., who was absolutely fantastic in this after the deadline. Uh, Kyle Lowry's out there. Freddie Van Vliet out there uh you still have og and you still have pascal but you add a center a decent center i'm convinced that they're playing tonight at least in the play-in round yeah i mean i didn't like the fact that they, they didn't bring back ibaka i i did not like that uh but i don't know i i just i don't see lowry being in toronto next year in a full-time starters role i just i don't see it happening yeah now that's where we disagree entirely. <laughs> if he if he is back, he's still going to be one of the fixtures on the team because I mean he can be a fixture, like, but for the last couple of years we talked about him taking a step back, and he just hasn't done that. He's gotten better. I, it's not, I'd it's argue. not him about it's not so, about taking him a, taking a step back. I just think that with his injury history over the previous seasons, putting him in a six man role might not be the worst thing. There's no way to ever take that. <laughs> Maybe not, but that's what I'm saying. Is that it's the, I, it's the only way I see Lowry back in in Toronto next year, is if he's willing to take a decreased role with the team. And if not, well, best of luck wherever you end up. I mean, let me pull up some of Kyle Lowry's stats here. Well, when you do that, I'm gonna pull up this question from Tim Mixon, off of that's my boy, uh, Florida. 
or off of Facebook. He said Florida sucks, which I also agree with. Um, would it be smart to start to rebuild the Raptors? I don't think so. I think they, they showed that they have pieces to be competitive. Uh, do I think not playing in Toronto had a negative effect? 100%. But I still think that they have pieces to compete in the East. The East is such a, a wonky, like, up-and-down conference is that you have the pieces already. You don't necessarily need to do a full rebuild. You might want to bring in a couple of players that could boost that overall team, but I don't think a, a full rebuild is necessary. Yeah, okay. So Kyle Lowry averaged uh, 43.6% uh, 43 on field goals, which is like third best, fourth best, somewhere in that range in his career. Uh, and shot 39.6% from three, which I believe is third best in his career. He was shooting the ball very, very efficiently this year. He averaged 17.92 points, which is about three points better than he averaged in the year that they won the championship and is only two points worse than last season. So Kyle Lowry really hasn't taken a step back. Like I said, he's gotten better. Yeah, I'm not talking. And about I think kid. that the Raptors, like, I don't think the Raptors are a better basketball team with him in the lineup. But how often is he in the lineup? How many games did he play this year? I mean, he played 46 games this year, but he how many? Okay, he also missed. How many times has he played more than 75 games? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six times in his career or with the Raptors alone. But I mean, we're also we're also talking about we're also talking about basketball, where players that have a hangnail rest. You know what I mean? Especially like if you remember back to that Kawhi Leonard run, that guy. How many games did Kawhi Leonard play in in 2018-19? I'm pretty sure he played like 70 some. Uh, I let me check. I think he sat. I think he were. I think he sat like 20 some. He played 60 games. Yeah. They sat him 22 times. But to be fair, he was also coming off a major injury. Uh-huh. But, I mean, I I don't think that there's a chance that the Raptors get better without Kyle Lowry. I think if you lose him, no matter what, you are a worse basketball team. Maybe. But I feel like with his – like, my, my issue is that, okay, let's say you resign him. You give him big money. And he continues to miss games. And he plays another 46 games in a season. You know, how how much better are you if he's not in the lineup consistently? So is, I mean bringing him back. Yeah, like, I don't I don't think you can go huge money. I don't what I'm saying is that you can't like we're not talking about you can't give him starters money. 50 billion a year. You can't well, no, I think to say that he doesn't deserve starters money is absolutely ludicrous. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve um, it, but but there's a difference between deserving it and then as a team giving it to him. I don't think Trump. I don't. I, yeah, but I mean, at, at the same time, too, I also I also make this argument: keeping Kyle Lowry means more than on court success for this basketball team. Kyle Lowry deserves to finish his career in Toronto. Kyle Lowry's been loyal to the Raptors this entire time. Seeing Kyle Lowry as a Raptors fan in a different uniform would be 
incredibly hard to swallow. And it was hard to swallow with Chris Bosh. It was hard to swallow with Vince Carter. And it was hard to not, swallow not the same. Not the with same. DeMar DeRozan. Not the same. It is, though. Chris Bosh first... Bosch left. No, Chris Bosh Vince... signed and traded. I mean, Chris Bosh was a sign and trade, and he left because he realized that he wasn't good for the team anymore. Vince Carter left. Yeah, because he also was ragdolled around the organization. Gerard Rosen was traded uh-huh. because it, it, it looked yep. like we couldn't win with those two. Yeah, But was, you know what the difference is between those two guys and Kyle Lowry? Kyle Lowry was nothing when he came Kyle to Kyle Lowry Toronto. has a ring in Toronto. Kyle Lowry has a ring with the Raptors. Yeah, but he was also nothing when he came to Toronto. That's fine. So, But that's the difference. Kyle Lowry, Kawhi, went, Kawhi left after he yeah, won. Yeah, which I mean I think everyone expected. I, uh-huh. I, as much as we want to say that we wanted him to sign in Toronto, which we all did, I think the the chances of him signing in Toronto were were lower than him leaving. I mean, if his uncle was gone, I think it would have been fine. I think he would have stayed, but I think he went where his uncle wanted to go. But that's a different story. But like, <laughs> yeah, I love Kawhi. Don't get me wrong, or not Kawhi, Kyle. I love him. Been a huge fan of him since he arrived in Toronto. But at the same time, as an organization. Does it make sense to give him quality starter money or does it make sense to allow him to walk? Especially if you don't actually like, if you're an organization and you're like, okay, next year might be another down year. Oh, what, what better is it? Look at, okay. Patrick Marlowe, for example, he was, and we can all agree that he was basically kept in the league so he can pass Gordy Howe's record. Yep. San Jose gave Thornton an $8 million contract like two years ago. Did Thornton deserve $8 million? No, but because loyalty, they gave it to him. It wasn't smart, but they did it. If Toronto looks at, like, if Toronto is seriously considering, okay, maybe, maybe next year is one of those years where we start relying on the younger, the younger players a little bit more, and we may not be as competitive you know, with how New York has, like how the Knicks have looked, the, the Nets and all that, Boston, whatever. Is it smart to bring in, like, give Kyle Lowry quality starter minutes or quality starter money versus allowing him to go to a team where he might actually have a chance to win another ring? I mean, if Kyle Lowry wants to go to Philadelphia, he's going to go to Philadelphia. But this isn't a situation where you. I don't, I don't know. What's a good example? I guess where you let a guy like, you know, that that's kind of over the hill of his of his prime go because you have this superstar rookie coming up. Are, are we talking about Malachi Flynn? Like Malachi is not half the basketball player Kyle Lowry is. No. Not half. But Kyle, to be fair, Kyle Lowry wasn't a, a, a considered a top-end basketball player until he was like 28. Yeah, but I mean that—that's. So I think do, that doesn't mean Malachi is going to do that. No, but no one, no one expected Kyle Lowry to be the Kyle Lowry that he is when he arrived in Toronto. Everyone thought uh-huh. Kyle Lowry was going to be a depth player, a guy coming off the bench, and then he turned his game around in Toronto, which is good on him. I just don't think it's smart for an organization to give a guy like like Kyle as a play like, as a player on the court. Not like if you remove his name. And you put him in, like if you if you take away his name if he was just an average Joe, in terms of NBA names, it's not even a conversation. 
he wouldn't get quality starter money. You'd probably move on from him. But let me let me tell you this. Like let me let me tell you this. This is this is why I know the Raptors think more aligned with the way that I'm thinking right now as opposed to you. If they didn't think he was worth starter money, they would have given him away at the deadline to whatever somebody offered. Not Instead, in, no, they would have definitely. They would have taken Duncan Robinson. Not they, if you feel like- instead, they hold on to him because they're like, you know what? No, he's too valuable to our franchise. We're not going to let him go unless you give us Tyler Hero or you turn around if you're Philly and you give us exactly what we want. Yeah, but that doesn't so mean I get- think that the odds that if, if, if your sticking point right now is that Kyle Lowry doesn't deserve starters money, Shane, sorry to tell you this. You're I'm wrong. not saying he doesn't he does. deserve starters. I never once does. said that he doesn't deserve starter money. When have I said that he doesn't? I think deserve he deserves it from the Raptors money. as well. No, no, when did I say he doesn't deserve starter money? I just don't think it's smart for Toronto. You, you're you're saying that the Raptors that shouldn't give it to him. That doesn't mean he doesn't deserve it. What are they? What else? What that just means that they should. But be what smart. in turn are you going to bring in as the Raptors that is better all, than you can bring in a Kyle Lowry, head. more important to your organization than Kyle Lowry? You need a you need better centers. Your depth was questionable all year. So yeah, there uh-huh. there is other parts that you can fill with that money. Just because he deserves it doesn't mean you have to there give are. him money. So cool, he can deserve it. Doesn't mean it's nobody. Nobody said you have to give him. So you can a massive payday. So, you, so right, that's not going to happen. I mean, realistically, I I mean, anything he signs now is going to be lower than when he got his last contract. That, that's just that's the no brainer. All likelihood, yes. But saying that Toronto yeah. would be, it's not a smart move for Toronto to give him quality starter money. Isn't wrong. I just don't think it's necessary for the organization. Yeah, Kyle Lowry is great. He is great on the court, off the court. He's great for the brand. But that just because he just because he's great off the court, if you don't think he's going to be able to play consistently throughout the year, if you feel like his injuries are going to start to hamper him, if you feel like he won't be able to stay healthy, there's no reason to give him quality starter money. For what he does off the court. If that was the case, Ibaka would still be here. Mar- if that was the case, Valachunas would have never been traded. So, See, yeah, to me, so they- the, the Ibaka and Gasol leaving and trading Norman Powell, well, not trading Norman Powell, but you know, those moves that they made last offseason were more about making a run at Giannis Antetokounmpo. They weren't necessarily about building the best team for today because I think they, they kind of understood that without the superstar in Kawhi Leonard, they weren't going to make it past the Lakers or the Clippers. Now that Giannis is kind of off the market and there's not really that superstar coming up this year that you can take a run at, unless you consider DeMar DeRozan that guy, I think that it's worth it. If Kyle Lowry will take a one-year contract valued at exactly what he got paid this year, I'd sign him. I don't know. We have to agree to disagree on this because I just I don't see it being beneficial to the team. We're gonna have to. <laughs> I, I just don't. I, it's the same thing. I've seen people being like, "Bring back Demar," and it's like, "No, don't." The, he brings nothing to the team right now. He would hurt the team. Yeah, see, would help. for for me, I think the the connection with Demar is more emotional than than logical. The one with Kyle Lowry, I I can see the emotional connection. I absolutely have an emotional connection to Kyle Lowry, but as well, okay. I can also. I watched him play this year, and I saw him be the best player on the floor like night in and night out when he was playing. And I think a lot of him not playing this year was just like the entire Raptors team didn't play this year. Every single 
night, I got a notification that was like Fred Van Vliet, Chris Boucher, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam. I mean, they all had, they all dealt with injuries. Yeah. I just, again, I, I just don't see I mean, it being I, beneficial to the team. I think in an odd year where, you know, you're, you're dealing with COVID. I think they had an outbreak at one point. Um, you're playing all of your games on the road. Like, commend the Raptors team for what they did this year. They came up short, but, you know, I, I don't think I ever saw some, like, a ton of quit. You know what I mean? Except for Aaron Baines. He's junk, but whatever. <laughs> well, like, again, I think that's where we'll agree. I already know that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a different conversation. But moving on from the Raptors, because we're not going to agree on those Raptors. Uh, no. <laughs> we're gonna, do you want to touch on, on the Jays a little bit or jump into yes. – Okay, so I guess that answers my question on if we're going to jump into the Blue Jays. Uh, they're on a roll right now. They're doing great. Say they're playing right now. I don't. Actually they are playing on. right now. It's currently uh, bottom of the second inning. There's one out. Santiago Espinal's up at the plate. Runners on first and third. So, hey, the the Toronto Blue Jays. I believe the statistic is is six of their last. Seven and fifteen of the last twenty-two, something like that. They've won. Uh, I could be wrong on that front, but they're white hot. Sorry, um, I I just saw this tweet from Fireheart. Um, it sounds like the BC, uh, the BC Lions, could be sold soon. Oh. But, uh, According to Farhan Lodge, he's told that the Wooddale Keith Group has been looking to purchase the Lions for a better part of the past decade. Is no longer interest. Never mind. So it's no longer interest. A six-person uh, consortium and it's uh, estimated net worth of one billion. They simply got tired of waiting. I'm told there are three or four other interested groups. Interesting. So. Well, that's not. Uh... That is not great news on the uh, BC Alliance front, I guess. I mean, it's what happens when Bradley doesn't want to sell. People get impatient. That's not even him anymore. It's the estate now. But yeah, I guess, uh, you know, it is what it is. But anyway, back on the Blue Jays. Danny Jansen with an RBI. How about something you don't hear very often? He had like three straight games with a homer. Yeah, well, I mean, he, you know what? To be fair, credit to Danny Jansen. He was at one point hitting like uh, .0.23. <laughs> like, like he was absolutely atrocious to start the season. But credit to him, uh, his catching has always been phenomenal. And when Danny Jansen hits at an average level, I consider him to be one of the most valuable catchers in the league. You totally blot. You totally cut out there, so I had no idea what you heard. What I what you said. Okay, I said I said when Danny Jansen is hitting at a league average level, coupled with his spectacular defense, I consider him to be one of the more valuable catchers in the league. Yeah, that's for sure. I I agree. I mean, Guerrero's off the charts. Guriel's starting to hit. Biggio, who in my opinion has been the most disappointing player to start the season. He has been. I has I mean, other than other than. Around. For me, maybe other than Rowdy Tellez. 
because I had some expectations for Rowdy this year. I thought that he was going to be able to take a step and kind of become an everyday fixture in the Jays lineup somewhere. That I hasn't it was happened. It's going to be harder now because Guerrero is looking comfortable as hell at first. Yep. He is looking like he could be a, an elite first baseman in the league right now. Yeah. So I think Telez has been relegated to DH for most most time now. You add in Springer, okay, so where where does Telez fit? Well, that's that's part of the issue is I, I figured that he'd be kind of the guy that excels in that DH position. But I think part of the issue that was kind of unforeseen, I guess, but is actually really, really beneficial for the Blue Jays, uh, Randall Gritchick has kind of come out of nowhere. Not to me necessarily. I've always kind of seen Randall as that uh, that kind of hitter that he is so far this year. Um, I kind of felt that he was capable of that. But when you have you know Springer that eventually is going to get healthy, hopefully, uh, Randall's hitting the way that he is. Teoscar Hernandez came came out of nowhere last year and, and absolutely lit the world on fire. Lourdes Gurriel is actually playing very very well defensively as well, which kind of makes it very difficult to, to move him, like I had suggested, potentially for some pitching. And then you look around the infield where you've got Kevin Biggio with exceptional defensive value to your team that is now starting to hit the way that he was last year. Bo Bichette, uh, Marcus Simeon, who's been an amazing ad, and then Vlad. I mean, you have – at the beginning of the season, I'd say you had about one guaranteed out, and that was behind the plate. Now Danny Jansen's getting his bat – and, and you here's know, the going thing. too. Would you not? I would like you move to ledge because you have what Austin Martin. Yeah. Who could play? Play. Who first. looks to be? He looks to be probably. If I had to guess, they'd shift Bo over to uh, second base, maybe. But uh, put, my understanding is Austin Martin can play first. Like he he has the ability to because he's an in, like he seems to be a utility player from what I've yeah. been able to find on him. Everything I like everything I've read on the kid is that he can play basically any position in the infield and outfield. So like that kind of makes Telez replaceable. Yeah, and I mean it looks like we're probably gonna see Austin Martin either be the third baseman or the shortstop for the Jays. I think that first base position is Vladimir Guerrero Juniors. And he's been phenomenal defensively. I think he committed his first error over the weekend. Uh, and for a guy last year who people were like, what in the hell? Like, this <laughs> this guy had all the hype in the world, and he sucks. Uh, this year, his bat has been on fire, and defensively, he looks comfortable. Yeah, he looks like, like he's comfortable at first. But here, here's a question. If, you know, McGuire, since he's been called up because of Kirk, he's looked good yeah. behind the plate and at the plate. Could you Would you package Telez and Kirk for a pitcher? I don't know if I would necessarily trade Kirk anywhere. I think this this is the tough part, right? Somebody that's a really valuable prospect is going to have to go. And my guess is if the Jays want top flight pitching, it's probably going to come at the expense of some names in, uh, in the minor leagues like Jordan Groshans, or uh, I think, I believe his name is Gabrielle, uh, Mourinho, that catcher that they have, uh, that's currently in Double A. I think those are some of the names that we're going to see expended. I don't think we'll see anybody like Alec Manoa or uh, Simeon Woods Richardson get dealt. I think that would be a terrible mistake. Um, and I really don't know who you'd go pick up, but I feel like they're going to have to make a move for some pitching because 
I mean, if we're relying on Nate Pearson, it's not going to work. And if we're relying on Ross Stripling, it's not going to work. But I will say, Hyunjin Ryu has been phenomenal. Robbie Ray has been exceptional. Well, no, Robbie Ray, and Steven Matz has been way better than any of us I could think have anticipated. Robbie Ray, if you're looking at a pitcher, Robbie Ray and, and Matz have been the two kind of guys that have taken, have kind of made that step that people weren't expecting. I kind of want to see Thornton get put into a starting position for a game. See how he does starting. I know he's done well out of the be- like out of the the bullpen and, and coming in in relief as like a middle inning guy, but I feel like he's better than Stripling, and he could be that fifth guy if you're looking my, to like. My wonder is when does Manoa get a call up? Just the know, way that he's been. This year. I don't know about that to be honest with you. I Are think you, oh, okay, you're gonna have a Nate Pearson two in my opinion. And I think that's the risk that you run, but I think it's one that you might have to look at before you trade. Because some of the prospects that we talked about, Jordan Groshen's a good prospect. Uh, Gabriel Mourinho is a good prospect behind the plate. You don't really want to have to give those guys up. And I feel like it would be irresponsible of the Jays to go out and acquire, say, um, you know, Luis Castillo or Johnny Cueto, you know, one of those guys, without at least seeing what Alec Manoa can give you for a start or two. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or yeah, even I, even if Thomas Hatch comes back, what, what do you have with him? I mean, we've kind of established at this point, Nate Pearson's not the answer this year. Anthony K is not the answer this year. Ross Stripling's not the answer this year. So I think you have a couple of more shots before you have to go get somebody. Yeah, but I think, and I think Manoa's one of them. I don't know. I don't see Manoa coming into the league this year. I think they're going to be patient. They're going to allow him to have a full year in, in AAA, dominate AAA for a full year, and be given a shot to win a, a job next year. Because the last thing you want to do is bring and, and I mean, the last thing you want to do is bring him up for a game and get lit up in the first two innings. Agreed. So, yep. Do you, and like, do you just say screw it's, it? It's it's the risk you run, and it's and it's it's a situation where you kind of wish you still had Taiwan Walker. Because he would have been kind of the perfect stopgap for this situation exactly. But now you have to go do that whole trade again. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I I think Nate Pearson's going to be given one more shot before they make a trade. I think like Thornton should be given a shot in, like as a, a fifth guy uh, if if needed. But, hey, they're winning games and they're winning right now, so... Um, yeah, and I mean, this series is for the lead in the uh, in the division, um, and I believe we also had. So sorry, I forgot to do our fan pages for uh, the Raptors with Kyle Lowry. Eighty uh, percent of people voted that Kyle Lowry will not be a Raptor, uh, and then regarding the Blue Jays, if they make the playoffs or not, twenty percent of people said yes, they'll win the division. Forty percent of people said yes, they'll be in the wild card game. And 40% of people said no, the Blue Jays will not make the playoffs. Ooh, rough. So where where do you what do you think? I don't know. What what do you think? I think they're that? gonna make the playoffs, and I think there's they have a very good chance of winning the stand like winning the AL East. You know, they're three I do too. Like they have three games in hand on Boston, and they're a game and a half behind them. Um so if they win today, they jump up to what, a half a game? 
I'm going to double check on that right now. Because I'm pretty sure they would jump up to a half a game. They wouldn't. I, I, yeah, they would definitely jump up to half a game. I believe that they've played. Because they've played one three more less game. games. Have they? Yeah, because they're 22-17, and then Boston yeah. is 25-17. Yeah. And, I mean, so they, you have to look at the Yankees, too. They started off really, really bad. They've won a lot of baseball games since then, uh, and the Rays have kind of been treading water. They haven't been exceptional this year. You know, losing Blake Snell has kind of really lost Charlie Morton. hurt them. And I think – yeah, and I believe G-Man Choi is out the entire season yeah. as well. But I don't know. So, I, I feel like Toronto has a good chance. They need to win this like this series versus like they need to win two out of the three series against Bo- like two of the three games against Boston. Uh, but I think if they can stay healthy and get healthy with you know uh, especially with the uh, bringing Springer back and getting him healthy and him hitting is going to be a huge boost. And I think one of the things that we haven't really realized yet. Three of the top six teams in the AL are from the AL East. Blue Jays are fifth best team in the AL. Yeah. And, you know, if they were in the NL, they'd still be fifth best, right behind the Dodgers and ahead of the Mets. So the Blue Jays have been fantastic considering their arguably their best player has played two games. And realistically, they have games in hand on everyone above them. Yeah. And if you want to talk about this too, Blue Jays have played the least amount of home games in uh, like of any baseball team to this point in the season since like 1930. Yeah. So, but yeah, I know like they have, I think they have, so they have two games on Houston, uh, three games on Oakland, three games on uh, Boston. And I think one game, one game on Chicago. Yeah. The Blue Jays to me are at least a wild card team. I, oh yeah! I unless mean, they, they completely collapse, or they're making the wild completely card. Completely injured. Um, I mean, even the completely injured part. I think that they've been. If they lose Ryu or or Ray for the year, or for a long stretch of the year, I think that's that's really going to hamper the team. If they were to yeah. lose one of those two, of course. So I think that, could, that's they, that's for they, any team, right? If you lose your your ace or you lose your because. Robbie Ray has been their second best pitcher, and I'd argue at times this season he's been their best pitcher. If you lose one of those two guys, obviously that hurts. That hurts anybody. Like there, there's some teams that are built for losing their their starting pitcher. Some teams just have better rotations. Like that's yeah. That's what I'm saying though is that I think Toronto's rotation is the big question mark. They could survive losing Guerrero, Biggio, uh, Bichette, Guriel for extended period of time. In my opinion, they they have the bats to do it. Uh, yeah, that's that's obviously like you now have to pitch to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. because you're afraid you're, the guy behind him can hit the ball just as far as he yeah. can. You have to pitch to Marcus Simeon leading off because if you don't pitch to him, Bobachet, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Talos Hernandez, one of those three guys will hit a home run. And I mean, you added so Springer, who should pick your poison. Springer comes back, but not he should not be the leadoff guy. I mean, no, he has to be. But I wow. mean, if you look at the Jays' lineup at that point, Simeon has been... because he's your best, he's your best guy to get on base. So? Simeon has you don't, you well. don't need him to be Simeon, an RBI guy. But no, Simeon I know. But okay, look at this. So fantastic. Let's do it this way, though. Leading off, you have Springer. Then you have Bichette. Then you have Vlad. Then you have Teoscar Hernandez. Then you have Randall Grichik, Marcus Simeon, 
Kevin Biggio, and then you go with some combination of maybe Rowdy Telez, uh, Lourdes. I, I, I don't like Guriel Jr. and Danny Jansen slash slash like Alejandro Kirk. I don't There's like, no holes I don't in that like Simeon far, that far down the lineup. I think you're you can move him up to feel, to five if you want. No, but I think far. George Springer George Springer was brought in to be the leadoff guy. He's got to be. I'm sorry, but Simeon hits better at the leadoff. I think if you put Simeon, if you're one two, if you're one through five is Simeon Bichette, Guerrero Guriel Springer, Hernandez over Guriel every day. Yeah, I mean, Guriel should be down towards the bottom of the lineup. Yeah, I, I met Hernandez. I don't know why I said Guriel. It was the first name that popped into my mind. But if you have that starting, if that's your five, because how many times, how, how many times have we seen Guerrero up to bat? There was no one on, but then he gets on. Guriel get uh, Hernandez gets on, and then they strand. They leave them stranded because they have two outs. I mean, I feel like giving. I mean, or or here's the thing: you Simeon gets on, and then Bichette grounds out. I much rather have a Simeon, Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, because I don't like. I know you don't want Guerrero leading off the 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 top of the or the, the second inning, but realistically, now you have to pitch if you put if you put Simeon. Bichette Springer. You have to pitch to Bichette, which should help Bichette. Yes. So then you have to pitch the Springer. Because if you don't pitch the Springer, you have to pitch like you have Guerrero. So to you me, pitch to Guerrero, then you have Hernandez. See, we can we can do the same thing though, just with putting Springer in the leadoff. But that being said, I mean you brought Springer in to be your your solidified leadoff hitter. That. One of the like you looked at him to solidify center field, and you looked at him to be the but leadoff Simeon, hitter. But Simeon has done great at the leadoff. So why I know he has. Not, I know he has. But when you brought in Springer, the plan was to yeah, put him in because you can always switch him back. Plans, plans get changed all the time. So why keep? Why not keep the hot hand and Simeon there at the leadoff, and then put Springer in in the three or four hole where you're forcing a pitcher to pitch to him. Because personally, yeah, I mean, how many times have you watched Bichette ground out to a double play? It happens almost every single game, and I know baseball happens a lot. But like, I much rather put Springer in a position hitting right before Guerrero, before hitting before Bichette. I wouldn't touch the two, three, four of Bichette, Guerrero, Hernandez, and I'd honestly have a hard time taking Grichik out of the five spot because every time they do that, it bites him in the ass. To me, I think, like I said, I would go with Springer in the in the leadoff spot until it doesn't work because he's a great leadoff hitter. He's exactly what you want. And I know Simeon's been red hot there, but I think he could also be literally the world's best seven hole hitter or even uh, six hole hitter. Yeah, I don't so, know. I feel I don't know. I feel like Simeon has done really well at the leadoff, and I just yes, absolutely. I don't know why you would change that. Like it's worked because here's the thing, literally. The minute you put Springer in the leadoff and you lose two, three games in a row, people are going to be livid. And Springer could hit. Springer could, especially if Springer doesn't hit, like, doesn't start hitting right away. I feel like if you put him in that, like, three, four, five spot, he's a little bit more isolated. He's getting to see the pitcher beforehand. 
you're forcing you're forcing hittable pitches at him. Let me just we're gonna look at his on base percentage here. I don't I hate to pull up statistics here because I need I need to know. Um so in his career, George Springer has a 360 on base percentage. Marcus Simeon. And this is this is kind of a, a raw bit here because I don't actually know what Simeon has. Simeon has a 322. So in a leadoff hitter, you need somebody who's going to get on base. And Simeon has done that so far, to his credit. He's been absolutely fantastic, right? Just for now, I'm more comfortable going with Springer just because that's what you brought him in to do. That was the plan. So, and I, in a vacuum as well, George Springer is a much better hitter than Marcus Simeon. I agree. Simeon's just hot. I agree. But, I mean, why why waste a hot bat? If he's hitting hot in the leadoff spot, why risk putting him in a, like in a sixth spot and him getting cold? It's easier to move Springer. Counter-argument, however, if you put Simeon right behind Guerrero and Hernandez and Bichette, there's a chance that you might see – Pitchers start to work around, you know. If it, so, if you go Guerrero, Hernandez, Grichik, Simeon in the six hole, maybe guys start to work around Hernandez and Grichik, and you put Trevor uh, Marcus Simeon into RBI spots. So there's kind of that maybe. flip side to it there too. But, what, but if he goes cold, then you're just waiting, wasting that bat. I feel like he, he's gonna. Be he's, eventually, he's gonna go cold. That's just something rather, we have to expect. But I rather him go cold at the leadoff spot. Because right now he's hitting fantastically at the leadoff spot. Because it's more justifiable moving him out of the leadoff spot when he's cold than it is to move him out of the leadoff spot when he's hot for him to end up. Because, like, imagine having to answer, oh, you move Simeon out of the leadoff spot and now he's 0 for 20. Right? Yeah. It's easier but, to, I mean, to justify moving him out of the leadoff this, this spot. Is, this is the tough thing. If, he's, if he starts to cool off. And because Springer, that's the tough thing with baseball, Springer has played two games. Give yep. him, put him in a. By position. the way, he was an absolute animal. Both of those put, games, he got three position, hits and two home runs. Put him in a position where he can do more damage. I'm sorry, I much rather put Springer in a chance where he can hit a two or a three run homer versus a one like a solo, and putting him behind Simeon and Bichette or behind. Guerrero Hernandez or any combination of that is the perfect opportunity to give those extra. Cause we sucked at base. Like I'm pretty sure we're like bottom, bottom half of the league in hitting with runners in scoring position. Like, so I, I feel no like idea. putting Springer in a position where he can hit with runners in scoring position or runners on base is a better move for the team. Yeah, that's just, um, I guess, one of those things that we're just going to have to wait and see. But, I mean, guys are going to get hot. Guys are going to get cold, regardless of if they make changes or not. So, but you don't want the changes um, to be We the do reason. have one more topic. But we do have one more topic. But whether they are the reason or they're not, that's, that's the question, right? We have but, one more topic, and we'll start anyway. it off with this question from Sam Ritter. Um, thank you for joining us again. You, you're a constant here. Do you think this is the year the Leafs win the Cup? No, I don't. And I'm going to tell you why. 
They aren't as good as any other team in any other division. Tampa, Carolina, and Florida, in my opinion, are hands down better than Toronto. That Boston Pittsburgh, team is pretty scary, too, I'll be honest with you. Pittsburgh, Washington, the Islanders, and the Bruins are all better than Toronto. Colorado, Vegas, Minnesota are better than Toronto. Oh, I wouldn't go far as Minnesota. Minnesota has a winning record against Vegas. Minnesota is a better team than people think they are. Like they, yeah, have, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, Sutter, Dumba, Spurgeon, and um, damn, I can't remember his name. Brodine on the back end. You know, Kaprasov is going. Felipe, like the pieces they got, they're getting hot at the right time. Yes, but in my opinion. They're better defensively, and I know Toronto's defense has been good, but here's the thing. The North Division wasn't that – like, most people will agree, North Division was the worst of the four divisions. I originally – like, when the Jets were really hot and the Leafs were really hot and the Oilers were playing good hockey and the Sens were getting hot and the Montreal Canadiens started so fantastically hot, I thought that it was actually one of the stronger divisions. And as time progressed – this division's dog shit. Yeah. The fact that Ottawa – and this is how you know it's dog shit. Ottawa was bottom five in the league, and they were behind Detroit, and Detroit was eliminated before them. There I mean, teams, a lot of – like, There were other teams ahead of Ottawa at one point that were eliminated before Ottawa was. Other than the Maple Leafs. Everybody looked terrible at some point in the season. And I even argue the even, they were even like, the Leafs had that stretch of like five games where they were it was really like nine bad. Games. Whatever it was. But they were like one eight and one or something like that. Yeah, I mean we are like we did spend forever on the Kyle Lowry and the Jays thing, so we're kind of like strapped a little bit for time. Um but North Division hasn't started yet. Who do you think is coming out of it? And kind of why? You think Edmonton? Yeah, I like I like Smith. If Smith is healthy, I like Smith and Koskinen. I think they've done enough to show that they can do it. Uh, the depth has been there, you know, for most of the season. I I'm not gonna lie. I think their their depth additions have been, been solid. They need to step up. Obviously, you can't rely on McDavid, uh, Drysaddle, and Nugent Hopkins to to win you a series. Even though McDavid McDavid can, I think whoever wins the Winnipeg. Edmonton series comes out of the north. I, I don't think I don't trust Anderson. And I don't trust Campbell, and I don't trust Riddick. And obviously, they can prove me wrong. You know, it, it's the playoffs for a reason. I don't trust that bottom six in in Toronto. Really, like no. when it comes to playoff hockey, I, I just don't trust it. Their top four is solid. I still have questions about their bottom two. Overall, if Montreal is healthy, if Price is Price, if Price is Price of old. If Price is the price that he was against Pittsburgh in the play-in round last year, Toronto will struggle to get out of the first round. I think I think they might, but I also don't think it's going to be – like I think they might struggle at points in the games, but I think they'll win the series ultimately. Um, I think the Jets might actually be my favorite team in the division just simply because uh, defensively – they're they're decent offensively though. They have so many weapons that can hurt you, and their goaltending. If Hellebuck can like figure it out a little bit, they'll be fine. 
I think they're pretty easily going to dispatch Edmonton. Actually, uh, I, I don't know. They don't were think seven and two in the good. regular season against that. Like Edmonton was seven and two. Yeah. I mean, I know regular season doesn't really matter, but like that is still a damning number. You're seven and two. McDavid had more. McDavid had more points against Winnipeg than he did against Ottawa, and Edmonton went nine and zero against Ottawa. Uh huh. But uh, so at the same token. If you if Montreal and Edmonton were playing in a series today, who do you think would win? I would pick Montreal. Okay. Because that, I think, you because fucked I think, over my whole goddamn point chain. Because <laughs> I think Montreal, depth wise, is bet is the best team in the in the North Division. Depth wise, if you look on paper, I, I just can't see Connor McDavid being good enough to win a series. Single-handed. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. I mean, he's like, he'll absolutely to, like your depth amazing to be tested. But I think like if if you were to tell me, okay, the game changer is Connor McDavid. If Connor Hellebuck struggles, there is no one on that Jets team that can stop Connor McDavid. There is none. There, it was proven this year that there was none of them that could stop Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. He had nine points against Chicago last year in the play-in round. There is no one that could stop McDavid against on, on Winnipeg. If Connor Hellebuck isn't on his game, it's done for Winnipeg. Carey Price, Jake Allen, that defense, like Montreal's depth can help them win a playoff series. Yeah. And I think that's really what it's going to come down to is the depth of each team and which depth, like which depth moves forward. Like which is, which team are the teams like they're de- like we've seen it with Washington, Nick Dowd scoring the game winner. We've seen it with Boston getting getting some goals from their depth. Colorado, I mean, they were top heavy, but their bottom six played well. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh's leading two nothing, and they have their middle six producing. Jeff Carter has a goal. You know, Tampa had some had some depth goals against Florida. Like Carolina had Jordan Stall. Like if Montreal's depth can rise to the occasion, they should be able to beat Toronto. Yeah, no, I just can't. This Montreal team, although they have some decent pieces, cannot play a hockey game the right way. And what I mean by that, the only way they score is on odd man rushes. Shorthanded. They have absolutely no ability. Other, yeah, because there's more room for them to skate. Is my, essentially my, the whole deal. Two, so I have two wild cards for this Montreal series. Carey Price, Tyler Toffoli. Yep. Yeah. Because you well, know, because Tyler Toffoli started off really hard. Brandon Gallagher. He got most of his goals versus Care, uh, uh, Vancouver, I know. Fully aware of that. But if he can find his scoring touch again, <laughs> you know, I trust Anderson to bring what he can bring. I, I trust those guys. What I like, Toffoli, to me, and Carey Price are going to be the two X factors for Montreal. If Price is on his game. Yep. If you were to tell me, okay, prime price, like, you know, price of old or Campbell, everyone's picking price. And if price can get that flavor back, Montreal should be able to do what they did to Pittsburgh last year. Look, I felt very confident Montreal was going to win that series against Pittsburgh last year. I'm pretty confident the Habs losing five at the absolute latest in this series. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see. I mean, I have Toronto, like I have Montreal winning. I think Montreal should be able to be like beat Toronto, but 
we'll see what happens. Yeah, I've got Toronto coming out of the north. Um, I just I I don't think they make it out of the third round. To be honest with you, I think whoever they run into, whether it be Tampa Bay or Florida, uh, no, I think whoever's out of the west. Will they? Yeah. Apparently, is that that's the, the format? NHL, yeah, the NHL bracket has the North Division playing the West Division. I thought they were going to realign. No, maybe I don't that. know. I had Edmonton, Colorado, uh, Tampa. Oh no, Carolina and uh, Boston or Boston coming out of the uh, of the the of the Final Four, and it had Edmonton versus yeah uh, Colorado. Yeah. So is. There's no way that we're going to see Toronto play like Vegas and then have like a team that's actually closer to Vegas play. I mean, you know, Tampa. Well, no, they only, there's right? only like that'd be team. stupid. And that's Nashville. So unless Nashville upsets Carolina and then upsets Florida or Tampa, yeah, the only like it's going to happen where a team where the North Division plays the West Division. You're not going to send Florida to Vegas. I'm... No, I know, but that makes as much sense to send Toronto to Vegas. You're going to send Boston? None of those make sense. But I mean, why, why is why are we sending Toronto? Because Toronto won the North. Yeah. So, so yeah. if Boston or Pittsburgh or, or Washington or the New York win the – like. Unfortunately, one of these East teams, if there's an if there's three East teams that come out of it, one of them is going to have to play Colorado or Vegas or Minnesota. Look, all I know is I want an East versus East Cup final that. because that I like chaos and that's no that's fun. East versus East or West versus West. That's not going to happen. It can. No, it literally can't. Literally, we just went over this. Nobody knows how this thing works anyway. Who cares? The NHL clearly does. Why don't they tell me that? Do the bracket, and you would have known. Yeah, but then, I mean, in this instance, Nashville can come up, and they can play an Eastern team. Yeah. But then Toronto's got to go to Vegas. So what the fuck? Colorado, there was a time where Toronto was in the Western Conference. That's stupid. That's how they played LA in the 93 West Finals. That's dumb. There was literally an opportunity for a Toronto-Montreal final. Thank God I wasn't alive to witness that. You realize Detroit, which is more west, (laughs) more east than Toronto. Yes, was in the west. Was in the west. Yes. And then we stopped being stupid and we sent them back to the east. Winnipeg was in the east for a while. They were in the east for two years. Well, yeah, that's because they moved from Atlanta and they just didn't make the changes yet. Yeah. So, like, relax. It makes sense. No, but no sense made. We're gonna leave off with that one because uh, there is sports to watch. You know, there is playoff hockey. They Tampa's up two nothing on. And Florida. because it's so hot in my room, and I just want to turn a fan on. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I think it's two nothing Tampa, two nothing Boston, or not Boston, Pittsburgh. Yeah, but who cares? Because it's one nothing Toronto. Yeah, but runners on corners, one out, uh, and nah, three two. Ah, it's okay. Camp. So it's only Raphael Devers at the plate. He's only gonna hit a moonshot here. Oh. Ground out. That'd be great. But anyways, you have Vegas and Minnesota tonight, I believe. Oh, we popped it up. There we go. One out away. Devon Campbell rocking the Blue Jays. Anyway. 
But anyways, that's all for today's episode, folks. You know the original. You know the. You know how what to do. Subscribe, like, share the video on YouTube if you're watching this after the live show. Sorry about it. We couldn't post it during our live show. YouTube's kind of being a butt right now. But anyways, guys, thank you all. We'll be catch you back here next Tuesday at 7:30 as always with a brand new episode of the 13th Man Sports Live Show. Follow myself at uh, Shane underscore RY13. Uh, Frankie, what's your? Have you changed yours recently? I haven't actually looked. Uh, no, still, mine is still at Frankie underscore Benvo. You cut out on my end, but I'm assuming it worked. So, uh, it's yeah, no, it should have worked. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the connections. I don't We're know, having a little bit of a follow Frankie, follow myself, follow meltdown the podcast. Of an episode. You know what's up. We'll catch you back here next Tuesday. Stay safe and enjoy the playoffs. Enjoy all the sports, and hopefully we'll have some positive news coming out of the CFL to talk about next week.